Max Hall and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well and welcome back to another midweek strategy episode where members of the panel try to help you with your super coach, dream team, and AFL fantasy side. Three weeks are in, prices have officially started to move in super coach and dream team, while AFL fantasy coach is really starting to see some uh, increases and some decreases that are very relevant for us to discuss. Joining me on this episode as you known to love him in 2023 mini monk hello mate how are you yeah good good it's it's a very awkward week this week the week between when we're fixing our teams and when we're going into upgrade season so there's a few interesting takes going around this week and i'm interested to see what the panel has to say about them yeah i am too and co-founder and all-round dude that will give you a hot take on live football and what my hair is doing rids hello mate how are you Hey, mate, just on the life matters, you know you've hit the age of being old, okay, when you've got to put good. glasses on. You know when you get old and old people put the glasses on the top of their tip of their nose oh, to start there. reading stats and stuff? I just cracked open a spreadsheet a minute ago just to prepare for this pod. I put on the glasses and they were on the edge of my nose. So I'm officially old now. I'm not sure what I'm more scared of, that or the fact that you said you were prepared. So either way, uh, there's lots to talk about. want to hit some of our Patreon questions uh, right throughout this. Of course, if you want to become a supporter of the Coaches Panel, pick up some bonus content. All the details for that are actually in the description link of this podcast, or you can go to coachespanel.tv. Want to do that? Want to talk Brody Grundy with you guys? Want to talk about what I think is the most important cash cow? We want to talk about JVR, got to talk about DPPs and underperforming premiums. Want to talk about Tom Stewart. Let's let's throw Took Miller in the mix for that as well. I'm going to talk about those boys. Talk about our cash cows. But right off the top, Mini Monk made this intentionally deliberate statement about it being a, this fascinating week where we have largely as a community fixed up our team with getting the right cash cows. We've largely, now it might be format dependent, made the correctional trades that we wanted to over weeks one and two, and whether that be four or six trades, depending on your format, have had numerous opportunities to get our sides a little more aligned now that we've seen some data. So my question to you both as coaches look towards the, it's not quite, but it isn't not time to go, What's the difference between being aggressive with your trades and being reckless? And can you give me some illustrations of the two? Because sometimes we can be really conceptual and people are like, oh, that's great. And we think we're telling people you're being a reckless and they think they're being aggressive. So maybe Mini Mike will start with you. Um, talk me through the difference between an aggressive coach and a reckless coach and maybe some names and illustrations that could help out. Uh, listeners on the way through. I might start with reckless trading with a few examples of who people traded out last week in order to chase who they thought was quote unquote value. I saw coaches trading out the likes of Doherty, Taranto, Dunkley, Goulden, Rosie, in order to try and finance the moves of getting mid prices that they thought were popping. And last week was the perfect example of mid prices who didn't pop mainly aside from, I guess, Will Day sure, and premiums who did. Because you look at a lot of those names, only one who didn't go over 100 out of those names was Errol Goulden. And he came into probably the toughest matchup in the midfield, very hard team to score against. So yeah, for sure. Trading out some of those players was seen as aggressive. Sorry, seen as aggressive at that time, mm. but has proven to be reckless. I could argue somewhere along the lines that McRae fits into probably aggressive may be reckless, but sure. it was really dependent on how teams looked. Now we move into this week and people are looking to move off of bid prices. We've got the likes of Sheed, McGrath, Callahan, Warple, JHF. People are bailing off of these mid prices that not even a week ago we were trying to get onto. Mm. So the question is, do you see the mid prices that you're moving onto keeping their role and being able to maintain their scoring? 
Because if that's a no, then it's a reckless trade. You're yeah. burning a trade. You're getting rid of a premium who you know can score because the reason why they're priced so highly is they've done it before for a player who's not as tried, not as tested, not as much security in their role and not as much security in their scoring. So when we're moving on to players this week, as well as every other week into the future, you want to have that security and role. It's why someone like Will Day was a much mm. more preferred target than Zebra because, okay, he hasn't played that role before, but the Hawks are a rebuilding side. They're going to try and want to want to try and put some youth through their midfield. It makes sense. Whereas for Jack Zebel, yes, North are a rebuilding side, but Zebel is 32 years old. The coach knows what he can do at half back, and that role could change any minute. Read some of your thoughts on the, the gap between reckless and aggressive tactics and coaching. I think um, I absolutely agree with that, okay? Like, I mean, I've, I was one of the guys that were talking up about this last week. Hmm. Um, but again, I want to go from a diff, slightly different angle right now. Please. If you're bypassing someone that's going to make seriously good money to go and jump on a mid-pricer that you're not 100% sure, like, these are these are proven tactics, you know, strategies from years gone by. We hear guns and rooks all the time. The reason why it's guns and rooks is the rooks are there to make the cash and generate the cash, increase your team values to actually then use to complete your teams before the end of the year. Like mm. that's the way that it's always been. Now, We've sort of got a little bit more creative in recent times, um, which has been awesome. And MJ, you know, I I love a good trade. So, oh, yes. I mean, I, we we were only talking about the broadband strategy from a few years ago <laughs> from, now, just oh, recently. Look, people that followed us from back in, we, we were part of a, a very old school fantasy community called AFL Dreamers about a decade ago. It's where Rids and I first met and numerous members of the coaches panel first connected. So that, that is a, a much beloved strategy, the broadband strategy and some old school coaches. So I'll give you a quick rundown on it was Scott Pendlebury at the time um, was an absolute gun premium mid um, he still is, believe it or not, and that was well over a decade ago. Um, but he broke his leg just on the cusp of the buys. So the ploy was what we'd do is trade out pendles and play the break-even game, and we jumped on a mid-pricer back then that was ready to pop who had a very achievable negative break-even with a good draw to match for a three-four week, and it was Matthew Broadbent. Now, Matthew Broadbent at the time was playing midfield. He was hitting hundreds each week. He was absolutely out of the blue. He made a lot of cash in that period of time, and then we actually flipped it back and we went and grabbed our premium mid at the time after three, four weeks' time. So, again, these things have been around for since day one, okay? So no one's just come up and just gone, well, I'm going to click my fingers and we're just going to do it from now on. This is how we're going to do it and this is all new. <laughs> We've been playing these strategies and everything else for the time. For sure. So nothing, none of this is new, but the guns and rooks has actually, like, it's stayed constant for the whole time. And we've always had that, haven't we? We've always gone mm. the guns and rooks, the set and forgets and everything else. And we've always, I mean, we argued even last year in the preseason, Braden Pruce, like, it's just too much value there to ignore, to go and start your Gorn and Grundies mm. at the time. And we had that conversation a million times this time last year. So it's been over and over and over again. None of this is new. But right now, if you're jumping on a mid-pricer that you're not 100% sure is going to make you the, the appropriate level of cash mm -hmm. and bypassing, let's say, a Chandler in Dream Team and Supercoach, okay, okay, to jump on a Will Setterfield last week. And I saw this happening a lot. Mm -hmm. People right now are going, oh, no, why didn't I go get Chandler? I didn't realize he was going to make – well, guess what? You did realize he was always going to make 100 grand in that first price rise. Mm -hmm. And guess what? He went and popped another 90 in the weekend in Supercoach. Mm -hmm. Like, 
He's actually the boy's twenty three. He can play. Well, like I mean, there's no secret. We've got enough data now. Like, mm-hmm. So that's reckless, in my opinion, because you're really banking on not a proven. It sometimes pops. We get good cases. We get bad cases. You mm-hmm. every time we talk about a Setterfield, okay, we're going to have a Sheed or a or a Tanner Brun. You know, and this doesn't stop. We go over and over and over again. And I think Mini Monks nailed it. Yeah, will yeah. they? And I know we're using hindsight, but the thing is, it's not hindsight if people were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. I was Correct. never really big on day anyway, but I know Mini Monk has been mm. like, and he was one of the biggest advocates. Mm. He's got a role change. He's doing this, he's doing that. Yet I still saw people trading into. Warpool as late as last week. <laughs> like, but I mean, the guy was sitting there. Yeah. If you wanted to trade into a Hawks and play at mid price, it was day. It was always will right. day. Yeah. Like, yeah. if you were going to do that, you shouldn't be trading into James Warpool, you know, in the last week or two, because oh, no. that's probably a little bit, yeah, you're probably two weeks behind the <laughs> time. Well, yeah. Absolutely. Anyways, so with all the mid-price at talk, we always forget that, yes, there's good mid-prices, but there's bad ones as well. I mean, people only have to look back to two years time. ago for someone like Tom Phillips, who we thought was going to become an outright forward premium, mm. and then he started in our team. Matt Rao last year goes 100 in the first week, has a 70-odd in the afterwards. second week, and then regresses to about a 60-odd this year, I mean, through the rest of the year. Mm. That's some serious parallels to, to James Warple this year. I mean, he went big in the first week, had an okay second week, and now he's regressed back to his mean this week. If you can bail off of someone like him this week, get mm. that jump off of coaches, it's a huge gain. And, and this is what you need to do with mid-prices. You need to know when to cut your losses on them because majority of the time we don't get the likes like we did last year of Hewitt, Sicily, Brody ending up being season keepers. That oh. doesn't happen very often. And people are still talking about the likes of Setterfield, Day, Siebel, mm-hmm. even Sheasel as being season keepers. Like That's huge. Guys, you really need to be aware of when a player has hit their lifetime and when they need to be moved out of your team. So when does- 100%. No, well, let's just go back one yeah. second as well. That's the point, okay, is don't plan for the best outcome yeah, okay, correct. plan for the worst outcome. And if you can manage the worst outcome, then guess what? They're right in your wheelhouse. You can actually go there because you can get yourself out of that outcome. And mm. then we only talked about um, Cherry a couple of weeks ago. What was your parachute? What was your exit plan? What happens if the worst case scenario, and unfortunately for the owners at the time, it did eventuate? Yeah, correct. What happens? What's your out clause from this? Where's your exit strategy? You know, and if it means that you're changing anything and everything just to actually get it done, then maybe that's probably a little bit too cute. Mm. And at that point in time, I wouldn't say it's reckless because sometimes the risk is worth the reward. And someone like a cherry is absolutely the ultimate risk versus reward Mm. player you know, at that point in time. And it's never about Cherry, is it? It's about who you jump off to. So again, and if you think through this, okay, you're always going to have examples of unlucky, bad luck, okay? Greatest variable in the game. Yeah, Two weeks ago, got a massive hit, popped his shoulder out, and he looked so sore since Shell of himself. He, yeah. Like a week before that, we were all talking like you beauts. This guy's preseason hype is justified. He's a totally. top ten selection. He was blah blah blah. He had a monster preseason, but unfortunately, bad ha- luck happens. Yeah, you pop your shoulder, and they're going to have a bit of a problem to get him right now. Help. Unless yeah. they go and operate it. And there's no way known they're going to continue that between now and the end of the year. So he's the perfect guy to jump off right now. Mm. Radio. So but we talked okay, okay, We talk about bad luck, but we also talk about like risk mitigation. 
Mm. Most coaches were aware that we had problems down back with the job security of our rookies. Mm-hmm. And it only took till Friday afternoon for us to know that one of them was dropped in Charlie Constable, who most of us were running on field in the first two weeks. Potentially at D4 in some points. Yeah. And so really, if you were expecting that to come at some point in the future, what would you do? You would bolster your defensive stocks so that if he's dropped, you're not having to field someone like a Chessa or a Cowan at D6. Mm. So- the way that you could mitigate that risk earlier on is by trading into defender premiums or defender mid prices who you liked or even mm. starting them to start the year. And we need to start looking the same way again. If we've got concerns about whether some of our players are going to maintain their spots in their best 22s or be season keepers, bolster your stocks in that position so that you don't have an issue if it comes up. Like if you're worried that someone like, I don't know, uh, Jinbi might get mm. dropped at some stage. However unlikely it might be, no. bolster your stocks of your defensive bench so that you have someone who can come in and cover him at D6 easily. Like It's, it's like a MJ, trading game. I also want to continue that for a second. Please. What was the line we went thinnest with our starting squads this year? And it in was very common. Yes. It was the defensive line. The back line. Now, MJ... What line did we have the most secure, like potentially cash point cows? scoring cash cows? Forwards. Forwards. Yet what line did we stock in premiums? Forwards. Many started. And now you can include Goulden in that premium conversation if you wish. I'm, I think there's some debate you can have on that. But many started four. Some started as many of five between the mids and the forwards using DPP, um, five of those premium quote-unquote forwards. So at some point in time, we're going to have to go, you know what, there's a lesson to be learned here. And it's exactly what Minnie Monk just said a second ago. Like maybe we got this wrong. Maybe we got so starry-eyed about the scoring potential of the big boys up the front. And we, mm-hmm. we did it, MJ. I, I was, I'm guilty. I put my sure. hand up. I was calling them the four dogs, you know, the four big dogs of the forward line. And then they oh, the Fab five, five, mate, they got. Yeah, you know, with Goulden coming in. Yep. Maybe we're guilty because guess what? The Sam Doherty's and the James Sicily's and there's a few other examples Dawson, of this world to a lesser that are sitting extent. there going, yeah, hey, they they go. it'd be nice yeah. if you had one of us extra mm-hmm. in that line so you didn't have to go jumping into a Cowan or whoever else it is. Like, and we saw it even in Supercoach, okay? We saw Liam Jones get injured in the first. Stuff happens. Sure. You know, things happen. Constable gets dropped. We all we all sort of saw the writing on the wall, but then we Thursday, go, the writing was there, absolutely. Oh, there, right. But it was even there before that. If you remember, he's he's never been the let's, – who's the best kick in the AFL? That's not Constable, okay? <laughs> He's got limitations in that aspect. So put him in half back is always going to be a challenge sure. if you're missing your disposal every two out of three or two yeah. out of four or two out of five, whatever it is, and it results in goals in that area of the field. Like there's always going to be possibilities. Now, I I don't think he should have been dropped, mind you. I but think I understand he had a very why. good round two. I thought he was very good. But I understand why the club moved off him, given who was coming in. Look at the people coming in. Lockie Weller, you only have to look at him. It's chalk and cheese. Lockie Weller is such a great decision maker. What an amazing speed of the kick. Exactly. And then you go on the other hand and you go... Power comes in. That's an upgrade, yeah? Constable to Weller is an upgrade on any line, any team. correct. So you can get it, yeah? Powell comes in and plays multiple roles where he plays slightly taller, but again, great decision maker, very courageous, the whole lot. So there's a reason why Charlie was had to try a new position at the start of the year. Like, but that should have been alarm bells. If we're playing him on field, we saw those signs, yeah? We've had, I think I've heard a million conversations in the first two weeks about him potentially getting dropped at any stage. Yep. It was we always a question of those. when, not if, that, yeah. that we'd fare well. And, and it's not, 
oh, it's hindsight comments. No, no, th- th- it's there. And that I think is the point that the boys are, are making so beautifully across these things. So I'm, I'm curious then, we've talked about a couple of mid-price guys that we've got cause and reason to jump off and some okay. are very valid. MJ, um, I never yes. answered your question. Please. Talk, we've only done the flip side of reckless. We haven't done aggressive. I was about to get to that. Yeah, I, I know you will, but I've just got to throw a spanner in. The <laughs> aggressive side, though, yes. my opinion is if any possibility of you trading in someone that's going to you foresee being there in round 23 this year in your team, or there's a massive possibility they're going to be there in round 23, barring injury 24. and everything else. Is it 24, is it this year? Yeah. They change it every year. I know well, they've it's the gather round, mate. We've all got an extra week. Oh, it's the silly done. extra buy in the buy rounds where Gold Coast and Geelong have decided to go out on their own. Yeah, that's a helpful buy, mate. We'll talk about that, I'm sure. No, it's not. It's a pain <laughs> in the butt. That's what it is. <laughs> but anyways, because old people like me, we forget, mate. We forget easy things, okay? I've noticed. But... If you are trading into a guy that you think is going to be there come round 24, see how I did that? I did that well. Mm, it's good. Yeah, not bad. That's aggressive, mate. And if you so, need to cull a cow that isn't fully fat yet to get that outcome, you do that every so day of the week. Someone that, I, I, you know, Tom Stewart, for example, uh, across yes. formats is, if he's not at his lowest price, he certainly will be next week if he's not already there. Um, Took Miller's probably another week away. Well, that's more that. AF. So yeah, Tom it's more Stewart, AF. You wouldn't um, go this week on Tom Stewart in Super Coach and no, AF you could BT. argue there, but definitely AF. You could build a narrative that this is the week, but, if not next. Yeah. But, but definitely is, in the next two to three weeks, you've got these if guys. If you're planning for him in Dream Team at Supercoach, you plan yes. for him for next week after his mm. third game so he gets that initial drop in price. Correct. And then you plan to get him and then you see how it goes with Finn this week because there's guys and girls, if you're trading to Tom Stewart, you have heard it first here, Finn McGuinness is going to Tom Stewart this week. Do oh, without not question. Be surprised. This is an absolute lock. There's bigger lock than JVR being the number one traded in player in AF. Is Finn McGuinness is going to Tom Stewart this week? So yeah. is it aggressive to trade? In, again, let's focus it on AF because Tom Stewart's going to be popular because he's under. I think he's about seven fifty k in mm-hmm. that format. Give or take a couple of thousand. So he hasn't had his price change yet in DT and Supercoach. So we know, as Ritz has just said, we've got at least one more week to to get a reading of the tea leaves. If he gets heavily tagged, okay, the plan might be able to shift back another one, two, or three weeks, depending on how he looks, break evens, all that kind of stuff. So you just made this statement around. It's not. Uh, it's an aggressive trade if you're trading into someone that you'd like to have to the end of the year, knowing there's a tag almost certain to come his way. He technically isn't a basement, but he's pretty darn close if he's not there. Is it aggressive or reckless to trade, trade into Tom Stewart this week, Mini Monk? I think that it's neither. Mm. I think it's a very safe move. Because the crowd is going there. Okay. He will be probably the most traded in premium, if not the second most traded in premium in AFL Fantasy this week. Mm-hmm. And I expect it will be pretty similar in Dream Team and Supercoach next week should his break even not balloon again and he pop a bad score with sure. the Vin McGuinness tag coming. But the question is, what else can you be doing with that move? Because mm-hmm. as we've talked about just before, most people have traded into Jack Siebel. A lot of people own Harry Sheasel. Both of these players are going to get defensive status. Chances are people are running a DPP mid-forward in their midfield already. Correct. I know of at least half a dozen coaches, myself included, that are. And so you're thinking, right, do I want to be getting him this week when I'm already going to have a defense that's going to increase by two players who I'm going to want to field when they get DPP down back because they've proven that they can score? Or do I want to target another position and find a different premium player that is underpriced as well, but that doesn't come into a tag this week? Mm. For me, 
that's the aggressive move this week. And Ritz? for me as well, I'm going to remove Tom Stewart's name out of this sure. now. Okay. I would be doing the aggressiveness and thinking, is Tom Stewart our top six defender for the year in that instance? I reckon he's borderline at best across the format. Super talk me through. Probably... Talk me through the guys then, because let's sh let's show people how borderline it is. Is there a clear top three across the formats? Well, Doherty's the number one. Okay, sure. Let's lock that away. I think we can lock in a Dawson. I think that's fair across the formats. Yeah, I'll I give think you that. at this point in time, I think James Sicily is definitely locked. I'll give you that across the formats. Okay, so would you let's... put Dacos in the next? In I was going as well. I, I suspect, and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I suspect Dacos is going to be in the top three in Super Coach defenders. Yep. So I think Dacos might be actually a little bit higher than Tom Stewart in Super Coach. Sure. Yeah. Green we're building team a list. AF. Yeah. He's he's got to be slightly ahead. If not, even if he's five points behind, he's so highly owned, especially in AF. Mm. Like we're talking like 50% ownership in yeah, AFL it's, fantasy. It's huge. You wouldn't be shifting off day costs to bring in Tom Stewart. Oh, no. No. Oh, and no. we haven't even looked at DPP additions. Now, there's also another guy like Angus Brayshaw's getting cheaper and cheaper by the minute. Mm -hmm. Now, if Christian Salem comes back, there's every possibility that Brayshaw's going back into that midfield, so we're going to have to save a spot there. Sinclair's like, another that is Sinclair, definitely worth the conversation. Well, Sinclair, I think, is actually finding his way nicely with the new, like, Millerers back there and a few others. Mm -hmm. um, I think he's just working into this season nicely at the moment, and he may very well be a conversation in about two or three weeks' time too. True. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a whole range of them. But right now, like, I don't I don't know whether Tom Stewart is an absolute lock for top six defender. Sure. But he's in that bracket, you know, that's going to be good enough or he's close enough. Yeah, like, sure. It, but what about – I'm going to throw a name at you. Oh, now, if you can only fit one – and Cam Guthrie gets DPP in two weeks' time for defence, mm -hmm. and Mitch Duncan's back in that team, and you can only choose one out of Stewart, Duncan, and Guthrie. Who are we leaning to? Like, I mean, that's a toss of the coin every day of the week, is it not? Uh, depending on the format, for sure. So, like, I mean... This is where it's going to get tricky. Jack Zebel in Supercoach is going to be in the conversation, I believe. Mm -hmm. Like Aaron Halls, we haven't seen him yet. We don't no, even know. Luke what... Ryan's had a great start to the year in Supercoach oh, as well. There's just so many, mate. It's it's a deeper line. It's sneaky deep. And I think what happened was at the preseason, we looked at it and went, oh, everyone's top dollar. And that's why we sort of lean to like the value options defense. Mm. But now when we've got into the crux of the season, it's like that's sneaky deep, that line. Yeah, it's not bad. It's sneaky deep because, I mean, in AF and Dream Team specifically, there's only one player that you could really say, I can be confident that they're probably going to average over 105. And that's Doherty. Yep. And then there is a massive question mark on almost 10, 12 players after that, that could be anywhere in the range of, you know, high 80s to even 100, maybe touching just over 100. From here on in, yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. and that's why people are struggling to say, oh, I'm pretty confident that this guy's a top sixer because we just don't know enough. Like the dust hasn't settled. Scores have been popped big and small because of matchups so far. Yeah, you know, that's a good thing because it means you can target players who have value because of that. And that makes it very tricky to navigate the landscape. Whereas I think the forward line's pretty clear. We're pretty confident at least four out of the top six at this stage. And I sure. think most people would give Taranto, Dunkley, Rosie. Definitely maybe, those three probably, for sure. At least yeah. those three. Definitely. And then you could start to form an argument for, you know, Cornelio as being the fourth. 
mm-hmm. then there's another tier below that. And I think in the midfield, we've already got a top tier in Brayshaw, <laughs> Oliver. You could maybe throw Laird into that. He's probably in that yeah, mix despite having a couple fair. of poor games. And then there's another tier below that that are starting to pop their heads up mm-hmm. in a big time as well. You're talking the likes of Parrish, Kelly. You could even throw people like Green, Sarong, Degoe into that mix as well, yeah. Miller. LDU. LDU, LDU potentially Mills as well. is knocking on that potentially, depending on the format, yeah. But that's where the tricky part is because I think that there's more aggressiveness going into a player like that. I think that yep. there are a lot of really good midfielders when we're already running pretty shallow in our midfields. Like mm. people are running without a pure premium midfield already. A safe captaincy vice-captaincy exactly. guy most weeks, yeah. So if you can deviate from the pack, maybe wait a week, wait to see how the dust settles after a McGuinness tag on Stewart and then mm. decide if you want to pounce, that's the aggressive move. I like that. Um, MJ, we yes. just discussed this and Minimunk nailed it. Doherty is a clear number one defender. You know what reckless would be? Trading Trade. out your number one defender that's clearly a number one defender. Mm. Like, Because he had a bad week the week yeah, prior. We've said this all Go for the whole point. time. Price to a point, okay? And I get it. But price is only relevant whether it drops, goes up, whatever else, if you're trading into a person or, or trading out of. out of the person. Otherwise, it's it only going to... Um, a matter to your team value, which doesn't really equate to points. Like it's not like, oh, well, you're the number one team value in the world, so we're just going to give you an extra hundred points now. Like that doesn't happen, you know. So it's irrelevant. So that's why sometimes sticking with these premiums needs to be done. Now, McRae two weeks last week, and I was advocate to say, McRae, don't trade, whatever, okay? It doesn't matter. I was comfortable with trading, but yeah. But I was very comfortable to trade too. Like, if you were able to do something really good with that second trade. Oliver, maybe? But Mm. you could trade up. Like, there's other ways to do it. We don't have to. (laughs) Well, I mean, I said this a lot, yeah, with Clayton Oliver, but that was more for Jack Steele. Sure, but I understand your point. But... Like, I mean, Clayton Oliver right now, but it's only three rounds. It's still small sample size. But the thing is, this guy smells Brownlow, yeah? Like, Mm. I don't know about you. Yeah, he has for the past two years, but this year. Montepelli smells Brownlow. Yep. Oliver smells Brownlow. They're getting getting a Brownlow sometime in the next year or two. Like, they Mm -hmm. are, like, if Clary Oliver right now at this point in time isn't the best player in the AFL, I don't know who is. And I think there's a gap. And he's also, not only is he the best player in the AFL, he's a fantasy beast. Where What's mm-hmm. that silly saying that's doing the rounds at the moment? Um, that hunger one? I don't know what it's called, the thirst one. Observable thirst. Yeah. <laughs> if Clary Oliver doesn't have that, I don't know who does. Like, besides Nick Dacos, I don't I think Clary yeah. Oliver and Nick Dacos are so far ahead of everyone else with that hunger. And I'm not going to say the silly phrase. Sure. I'm just going to call it hunger for the ball I got that and appetite, out of you. whatever it is, okay? Because, like, that's so, what it is, though, isn't it? Like, they're not going to – if they're on a good day, they're good not luck. going to stop at 100. They're not going to stop at 120. They're going up to 140s, 150s. They're probably pushing 200 some days in Supercoach. Well, yeah. Oliver, for the example, for the weekend, went 150 in Supercoach – Creeped over the 110 in Dream Team and Fantasy and was tagged by Callum Mills in the final third, oh, if not half much. of the game. And and Mills is is a really good stopper um, and a really good matchup for Clary. And yet still mid-20 touches and still was an absolute beast along the way. You, you made this point about value. I feel like I'm setting you up to just ha- go off the long run here, Rids, but I'm happy to set you up. <laughs> All preseason, the commentary was, and maybe it's not just an AFL fantasy thing, but certainly in this part of the community, value has been preached, um, and not wrongly to some extent, but certainly has probably been stretched. Value. Everyone's got to have value. Every person you've got to pick has got to have value. 
And yet now I'm seeing Clayton Oliver in AFL Fantasy at an over a million dollar price tag, who just three weeks ago, well, was still relatively well owned. I think it's about 20% ownership at the start of the year is now the must have quote unquote premium in people's eyes. But a month ago, they wouldn't start him because of value, even though the potential of Clary to go on a run of 120 plus has been known for four or five years. Even though the fixture that Melbourne have, that we, if you're looking at the fixture, look at the next five weeks of Melbourne, it's as good as it gets for fantasy. This was being known for us more than a month ago. So why is it now that in, in portions of the community, we preached value in the preseason, but the moment we see a player pop at their top price, we're now happy to pay for a million dollars. That feels like a big disconnect to me. Okay, I'm going to really upset people. Oh, you know I'm going to upset people because I'm going to tell the truth. <sighs> because people are reactive to what happened the week before, two weeks before, like yeah. whatever they hear. So two weeks ago, MJ, what did we see? We saw mid-prices like Will Setterfield go in 120, 130, and we saw... Clary over going 140. So the justification then was, oh, well, yeah, of course, Oliver was great. But, but I've got a guy that's within him yeah, and 300 yeah, cheaper. That sure. extra, which is great, okay? I think good luck to people who jumped on Setterfield to get that 130. But sure. then what we saw last week, and especially in Supercoach, we saw Warple go 55. We saw mm. Finn Callahan go 40s. We mm. saw... Um, Setterfield go 70, 80s. Zeeble go 70s, yeah. You know, and suddenly it's like, oh, no, like I wanted KFC, but I ended up going and getting like dirty cold roast chook from the fridge. Like mm. it's like it's just we get so in, engrossed in what that looks like now that we forget what happened two weeks ago. Yeah, it's good. It's points chasing. Let's just call it what Plain it is. And simple. Yeah. It's points chasing. And yeah. typically it doesn't pay off because if a player pops their ceiling score, you don't suddenly get that ceiling score when you trade them in. Mm -mm. You get them at the elevated price that they are because they've already popped that score. So what you've got to do sometimes is find the player that is going to pop that ceiling score before it happens. Mm. And there are three ways you can do it. You can look at the player's role. Mm -hmm. If you're getting a midfielder, you want them to be playing pure midfield. You typically want them to have a high CBA rate. You want them to have an inside and outside game. You want them to have a good price tag. So be priced underneath what you think that they can average for the rest of the year. And you want them to have a good run, mm. especially for the week that you're trading them in. If they have a good matchup this week, and it's looking good for the next couple of weeks after that as well, it's green lights. You jump all aboard those players. Examples from last year were Mills in round mm. five and Oliver in round six, who in back-to-back -back weeks played Hawthorne, who had the easiest midfield to beat and to score well against. That's right. Which is why they were popular players to jump up on. But then everyone else jumped on to, so round five, Mills went big. Everyone jumped onto Mills in round six and then jumped onto Oliver in round seven. Mm. Owners are laughing because they're like, all the risk that I've taken to get this player, it's now mitigated. And I've got, got the, the ceiling score. score already. I've got the price jump on you guys already. Now I can go and hunt the next guy. So, so that's where it is. Now, MJ, I'm going to throw this line now because I throw it out a hundred times every year for the last two decades. All right, and then I want to ask you a question after that. You do not get the score added to your total from last week when you don't own them. What? You are trading them, and only the only scores that matter are the point that you trade them into your team Correct. till the point at the end of the year or when you trade out of them. People have to start realizing this at some stage. This is why draw is mm. so important. There's so much resources out on Twitter, world, this world. Some amazing websites. Yeah. Crazy. 
Like, there's the best stuff ever. You can go in and do your own spreadsheets and research these days if you jump on a footy wire or I think it's a Mort's DFS or whatever. Site. Yeah, DFS Australia. There's, um, there's a ton of there's, these guys. It's everywhere, mate. And if you don't want to do it, you could probably jump on Twitter and follow a few people that are doing it. Like, yeah, you it's ask really enough questions, you get that. No. Yeah, correct. And you know how much work I do on the draw week to week. Yes. Like, I sit there on a like and do it for hours and i've done it for the better part of two decades like but the thing is okay it's important because that means you can jump on now many years ago mj i reckon it might have been 2012 2013 me and you Mm -hmm. we did a draw analysis Mm -hmm. and i think um one of our great mates um tim the third monkey did this for us yeah he did for a long time and we jumped on stevie johnson and he he was coming off a 50 or 60 the week before mm-hmm. and he absolutely exploded in the next six weeks and went, I think he went three or four 140s in four weeks. Yeah, he went about weeks. 135 across formats for a five-week period. Yeah, and that nuts. took us, remember, I think we were about oh, in the tens of hundreds, tens of thousands or whatever and we jumped into the top 50 just on one trade. Hmm. That's how important it is. And then everyone jumped on to Stevie J at that time. Same thing happened last year. Mini Monk just said it. Mills with Oliver. Oliver. Guess what's happening right now with Oliver? At least we're not waiting. We're trying to be a little bit proactive. But we should have foresaw that, yeah? So at the start of the year when we were looking for value, if you haven't been looking at Laird and Oliver, let's say the Laird owners out there and trying to make a decision, and I ummed and ahed about this for ages. Who do I go, Laird? Who do I go, Oliver? And I obviously went the wrong way because of last season, the way that Laird finished. It was sure. just too hard to ignore. Sure. So, And then his preseason game was – there's times it, the where signs you get it wrong. It makes it, total sense. There's times you get this wrong, Yeah. And it doesn't matter how long you play the game. It's not a gospel. It doesn't no. It doesn't happen every single time the same way. It just sometimes, it just doesn't happen, you know? So, and you just happen to get the 50-50 calls wrong. But guess what? I wouldn't what? even say getting a Laird is wrong. I think what you have with Laird, now again, if you're taking Oliver over Laird, of course he answers Oliver, but Laird is, he's someone that you want in your team by round 24. You don't have that dilemma anymore of how to figure out how to get him in. Yeah, but if you were making a choice between the two after three rounds, oh, right it's Oliver now in for AFL sure. fantasy, it's Oliver, yeah? Oh, yeah, of course. Without, so, yeah. And I mean, we can't foresee like the humidity in round one. We can't, we could have foreseen the port we're going to take. The restrictive and, Port Adelaide game in round And I think three, everyone's sure. actually missing the point last week. Willem Jew in that first half had one of the greatest halves of tagging. Like, he was sensational. Like, that's what heavily impacted Laird. It wasn't so much anything else. There wasn't any worries about anything. So I'm still comfortable with the Laird selection, as you say. But the thing is, if it was a choice between two and you choose one, then you look at the other one. But that's the same. You know those, um, is it memes that go around where you've got like that guy and his girlfriend and he's looking at the other one yep, over the right the one, yeah, yeah. and they, everyone throws the names up? That's yep. what I'm doing right now. With I'm Clary. holding Laird. There's Clary. How are you doing? You know? <laughs> like, And I'm going, oh, my God. But like, I mean, that's the problem. But you know what the problem, real problem is? Yeah. As a community, we were so focused on value, some of us didn't even explore any of these options. The Laird, the Brayshaw, the Oliver's Because we all – and the argument was, oh, no, you can't start someone over a million dollars or you can't start someone at top price. Well, guess what? You can. You yeah, because what if they do have... what Oliver's done? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And it doesn't matter if they're value for the season, yeah. You're going to want them at some stage. Like eliminate the how do I trade in by doing it at the start. So I'm curious, Minimunk a few minutes ago just gave us a nice little rundown of some subcategories to identify in terms of players, fixtures, roles, break-evens, all those kind of things. Is there a name or a player that as we're heading into this week that you boys are looking at going, well, based on those elements, there's someone that has a nice role, has a mixture of 
scoring across multiple columns and categories, has a really good fixture, is priced well beneath their known scoring potential, not just projected scoring potential. Is there a name that you guys might be able to give coaches that, again, it's got an element of risk to it because you're jumping ahead of the crowd, but is there a name that you guys see could fit those subcategories that Minimunk you've just worked us through? There are three that I want to give that are very dependent on the position of your team. Now, there's quite a few teams that have had a ruck injury this week. Darcy Cameron's gone down. People are looking to maybe jump off an underperforming ruck premium. Brody Grundy's matchup this week is going to be a massacre. We saw what Sean Darcy did to BJ Williams this week. If you look at the matchup charts and you see West Coast is coming up against as a Ruckman, you should be thinking, perhaps I want to put a VC or a C on the Ruckman that I have facing them. It is unbelievable how good this matchup will be. And his price is right and his run is right because he doesn't have gone for the time being. But that's a risky move because there obviously is the the time constraint. You know that Gorn is going to be coming back. But if you've got to make a ruck trade this week, he is 100% the one that I would be jumping on. Let's go to another player that has a nice couple of matchups. He had a nice matchup this week. He's got another nice couple of matchups coming up. Caleb Sarong. His next two weeks, Adelaide and Gold Coast, two of the teams where inside midfielders can absolutely run riot. And he has just gone 110 and 127, and he's still priced under 900K. What do we want to see from him coming into the season? An increase in time and ground. What's happened? He's had an increase in time and ground, and another midfielder who was getting CBA mix has left the team. Great news for him. And the last one is Josh Kelly. People got off of him after he got concussed in round one. 50-50 call. Could have held, could have traded. His ownership has dropped. His price is still seriously low. And he's got a nice couple of matchups coming up. If you think that he can be a top three, top five midfielder, which, you know, there is no doubt that he can be because he is an absolute stud of a player, you want to be jumping on probably this week because, you know, with his matchup, it's just going to be absolutely disgusting. I mean, they have got Mm -hmm. Essendon under the roof, who are an absolute midfield to score against. They're a leaking ship to midfielders at the moment. Oh, yes. Every day of the week. There's a good three. three. Rids, you got anyone for us? Yeah, Yeah, I'm going to throw a a name that I haven't actually heard all year. Mm. And we heard this name all the time last year. He may have even won a Brownlow last year, and that's Patrick Cripps. Mm. He's got North Melbourne this week, Adelaide the week after. He's mm-hmm. got the Saints, then he follows it up on West Coast. That's a nice, tasty little four-round stretch there. And for a team that's actually pushing, I reckon he might be a real sneaky option like over the course of the next few weeks anyway. but. Don't mind that. He, he, like, the Saints are the interesting team for me, okay? If Mm. we're going to do some draw analysis, and I won't get into too much nitty-gritty, but St. Kilda's three and zero on top of the ladder, Mm. yet they're giving up a crazy amount of points team-wise. They're nearly 1,700 points a game right now. But the question is, is that sustainable? Is it not? Like... You know, Jack's still been out last week. It's a bit of risky. But even if you look, though, on match-to-matches, okay, have a look at last week, the Hawthorne and the North Melbourne matchup. It's actually really, really intriguing, and I'll just quickly crack it open. They scored... Uh, sorry, Saints and Essendon. I'll go back to Hawthorne North Melbourne in sure. a second. But Saints and Essendon, the two teams that had given up the most points... Their combined game total was 3,452 points for the game. That's clearly the biggest game points-wise this year so far in the first three rounds. Now, this is AFL Fantasy and Dream Team numbers, and the reason is because Supercoach always has the same number of points available in a game, and so Riz is 
highlighting the scoring element of DT and fantasy so that there is some super coach benefit, but it's just the pure data of AF and DT. But you think okay. about it, okay? The Saints gave up 1760 last week for Essendon's total, but then went and scored nearly 1700 themselves. That's just ridiculous numbers. Like, And I'm sure people that have been doing this for years are going, Wow, wait, this is staggering numbers. Now, let's just jump back a sec. Hawthorne and North Melbourne, rightio. Hawthorne went at 1,839 points for the game. North Melbourne, only less up 1,400 for the game, mate, as a team total. Like, if we're talking like market shares or whatever else that's going around, okay, that's ridiculous stats, Right. No wonder Will Day went pop. You know, when your team is scoring 1840 and you're playing that role like he did last week, wow, wee, what a combination. So that's a perfect storm happening. And oh, uh, you know what? I didn't get on it, but good luck to everyone that did. So these are the little anomalies that go around. Now, but we should be sitting there now and going, why did North Melbourne now? They had their two main midfielders out, MJ, but they turned that ball over and they ridiculously couldn't hold high to the levels. Ball. Yeah, ridiculously so, high levels. And this is the fear. I'm seeing people going, well, Aaron Hall's got no chance of coming in. But guess mm-hmm. what? This might be the chance that he does come in like this week because they actually cost themselves a game, a win last week because they, they couldn't, couldn't hold on to the ball. Yeah. Like, this is. Someone like an Aaron Hall, he can actually improve that part of the game. Sometimes he doesn't. I know no. it's very hot <laughs> and cold. No. But these are the things that you need to be looking at the drawer and going and revisiting. It's good, Minimuck. While we're on the topic of players that we are thinking of bringing in, let's talk about a player that I 100% wouldn't bring in this week. Mm. And he will be named most likely... And it's not because he's had an injury already this pre- this season and preseason, because we were talking about him in the preseason, knowing about his injury risk. It's Elliot Yo. Oh no, no interest no, at all. No, 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 no. And yet people are talking about him, being like, "Oh, he was on my mind during the preseason. He's coming back in this week. Why don't I see how that goes?" We talk about fixture analysis. Look who he's got: Melbourne, Geelong, Port Adelaide, Carlton, Richmond. I mean, even if he's going at 80s during that run of time, even if you take away his injury concern, it's just going to be brutal. And we're getting DPPs coming up. Like, if you're wanting to look for a player to bring in, you need to consider all of the factors that we have available at our disposal. You can't just cherry pick and say, oh, this prize at a, a 75, I think he'll go at 85 for the rest of the season. Because if they're going to get tagged the next week, doesn't matter if they've got hard matchups coming up for the next three weeks doesn't matter because there will be another time to jump on and i feel like people are thinking oh stewart's come back he had a 14 in his first game low score in his uh, low score in his first game popped a good score in his second game let's jump back on and they haven't looked at the next two weeks because people say you know west coast oh should be a relatively nice matchup for defenders it's not frio didn't do pretty well with their general defenders last week aside from luke ryan I don't expect it to be easy for Geelong in two weeks' time either because chances are the ball isn't going to be in the Geelong backline a hell of a lot. And because Minnie Monk raised Elliot Yo, I'm going, I'm going to say it right now and I'm going to be very blunt about this. Reckless trade. If you trade into Elliot Yo right now and your reasoning is, oh, he spent a part of the preseason in my team, the large chunk of it, Guess what? There's been a month since then, and he's been injured for a month. Correct. Like, this is reckless, MJ. You're taking a crazy, crazy, reckless approach to that. And I don't care how much a Liam Stocker or whoever it is, okay, drove you nuts last week. I would rather Constable Zero on the ground right now than trade into an Elliot Yo injury, potentially, or a sub-50, like, it's just too risky for me. 100%. I think you boys have nailed it. I want to talk about one more player, and then I want to rapid-fire through our Patreon questions. Um, Mini Monk and Rids, you both alluded to this guy. 
um, JVR, the Melbourne cow. He's had a little bit of a price rise in AFL Fantasy already in Supercoach. We know he's got one more week before the price cycle moves. Uh, is he the most lay-down Mazaire obvious struggle to say this phrase but i'll say it must trade in the player is this the most obvious move that we have to make this week mini monk a player is almost never a must-have player because there is almost always another option I agree. but in afl fantasy he has the second lowest break even in the game and the only player that has a lower break even is harry sheasel who should be in almost everyone's team at this point of the year. Unless you have two bigger issues that you have to solve and you can get to a mid-pricer and a premium or two premiums with the trades that you're doing, you should be getting to Jacob Van Ruin, even if it means playing an extra rookie on field this week because he was talked about as playing from round one in the preseason, didn't quite get there. Gorn's gone down. He's got a timeline. And Ben Brown was subbed ahead of him during the game. Like, everything's there for him. The run's there. The role's there. The job security's there. He's had a good score in week one. His break-even's low. You can tuck him on your forward bench. can try and have a look at him if you want to. But as you say, it's a lay-down Mazaire. I think if you are not trading into him this week, I am asking you the question, what is wrong with your team to be in the position where you are trading into an AFL fantasy? I'm going to make it even... I'm going to make it even easier for you, Mini Monk, because you're too nice to say this. Oh, okay. Here we go. If you're not trading into your team, maybe you should think about not playing the rest of the year. Seriously, in AFL Fantasy. Because look at the matchup as well. Yes. If you want a matchup to get the – like you can even play this guy on field and have some sort of – assurance he's probably going to pop a 40 or 50 at worst case at the moment. Like, he's going to kick goals. He's going to get some ruck pinch hit in time. It just – there's no McGovern. There's no ruck. There's no nothing. Like, I mean, if Melbourne don't win this game by 100 points, I'd be very surprised. Like, you can't have seven of your team from the week before go out injured and – you know, and be competitive, you know, not in this day and age. It's really hard, especially if you were rebuilding and struggling to get there in the first place. And that, and let's not underestimate the effort that they had last week either. That was monumental, that it's effort. huge. We heard um, through the week with Jinby, like, because his percentage of time on ground went through the roof, he struggled to pull up. After that game, you know, and he was unbelievable in that game of football. So every single person like was running extra kilometers, was doing extra loads. No wonder they're exhausted right now. Let's not take that away. Okay. That's going to impact this week as well, West Coast. And they're coming up against well, who I think is the clear best team in the comp. <laughs> like... And I don't even think it's second. I don't think it's close to second at the moment. They are number one, and then I think Collingwood's number two, and then the rest is making up the numbers at this point in time. But Melbourne will destroy them, and this guy is going to probably pop a 50 at the worst case. I think it's a really good call. Hey, there are a couple of Patreon questions we want to hit, but here's what we'll do for our Patreons because pretty much run out of time on our podcast for the episode. I'll record a special podcast for our Patreons only. There's about 20 or 30 questions that are there that are very player specific. And if I do this, should I do that? If I'll tell you what, Patreons, we will do a specific episode just for you and I'll get that to you in the next 24 hours as a bit of love for you guys. Mini Monk, quickly before we wrap up. just want to say one more thing. And we've covered AF for Van Ruin. I just want to Please. quickly cover Dream Team and Super Coach. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I think I think he is a rookie that you can trade into this week Before in those formats. I agree. And it's purely because I think that if you are wanting to, you can probably field either him or Chandler at F six this Comfortably. week. And purely because of that reason purely because most teams will at least have one, if not both of them, if you trade into him, that is why you can bring him in this week. 
Now, we normally say that's pretty sacrilegious when it comes to rookies. Don't try them in sure. the bubble. But the matchup here is just too good. I yeah. can understand if you don't want to do it, if you want to bring in another yeah, rookie. No pressure fine. if you do, but th- yeah. But it's it's oh, an option. It's good. Hey, you lads have been absolutely superb this episode. Some real good hot takes, some great different perspectives, and also really helped uh, the community with what you've done. So, Mini Mark, is always a pleasure, mate. Pleasure's all mine. And uh, Rids, mate, uh, whenever you say the phrase, I'm just going to be honest, I know it's a good hot take. So well done to you again, mate. Hey, um, and if you need me to um, help you out with the Patreon questions, I will. Oh, look at that. He's a good man. Look at that. All right. Uh, If you want to become a Patreon for just a few dollars a month, you can get access to these podcasts and a bunch of other great rewards. All the details for our Patreon, you can find the links below in the description of this podcast. Round four is upon us and there is a lot that is happening. Keep an eye on teams. We got you covered with all the details at coachespanel.tv ahead of another big week. Good luck. We hope it goes your way. And until we chat with you for another strategy session, Unless you're a Patreon, you'll get the Q&A very soon. We'll chat to you next week. Everybody.